Okay, it's recording. So I know we already met, but I guess the first question is, what are your name, pronouns, and where are you from? Uh, my name is Inhok Choi. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, his. I'm, I was born in Toronto, uh, Canada, and I moved to LA. Um, so I am from uh, Southern California, and right now I'm in uh, Bay Area. Okay. Well, hi, I'm Nathania, and I'm in the Dream Summer 2023 cohort with Apollo, and I'm from Atlanta. I moved here from Indonesia, and I'm a political science major. So I guess the first question is, can you share a bit about your background and what your childhood was like growing up undocumented in California? And like what challenges did you face in terms of education, healthcare, employment, or just any other aspects? Yeah, so my background, um, yeah, so I went to high school and college in Southern California. Uh, during college, I studied uh, psychology focused on uh, cognitive neuroscience. And um, since then, since college, I graduated a year ago in 2022. Uh, I've been working with UCSF on a cognitive neuroscience research project for depression. And I'm also on the Medi-Cal advisory board for a Medi-Cal member advisory committee. So I help make decisions revolving around how healthcare for um, low-income people. And specifically in my position, I uh, represent the undocumented community in healthcare, uh, which is like DACA recipients, other un undocumented um, people as well. Um, so that's something I do for Medi-Cal. I'm also a part of Empowering API, which is like a um, an organization of undocumented Asian Pacific Islanders who strive to support um, the undocumented, undocumented uh, Asian Pacific Islanders around um, America. And um, additionally, right now, I'm trying to get more involved with the undocumented um, community at UCSF. Although they are something I've noticed about UCSF's um, undocumented um, organization or department or, or undocumented student services department is that they're not as well organized as other UCs as the other UCs and uh, that's something I've kind of like been trying to get more involved in and try to revamp and make better um, but in terms of my yeah yeah um, I've also was during college, I also was a fellow for the Indocumented Student Center on campus at my college. And I also was very heavily involved with the Asian and Pacific Islander Student Center, where I focused on a lot of social justice issues and um, movements within the student organizations on campus. And um, something I really did during college was try to bring to was like um try to bring together um the asian and pacific islander communities and undocumented communities because of course the thing with asian communities is that they're not as open about their undocumented status as um, maybe latino latina um or um 
communities are, and that's something that was one of my responsibilities, um, especially with the roles I had in undergrad. So I hope that answered your question. I know I kind of went on a lot, but yeah. No, you're good. Actually, it leads me into my next question. So uh, I'm Indonesian and I growing up, I didn't see other like undocu API at all. And I just wanted to hear your story and how your identity of being Korean American and undocumented, like how did that intersect growing up? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Yeah, when I was really young, like I'd say around middle school, I I really mostly middle school to elementary school, I, I hung around. I, I grew up in a mostly like Latinx um, black community, and um, when I went to high school, it was a culture shock for me because everyone when I got to high school, like everyone was Korean. I I, I moved to a high school where mostly everyone was Asian or Korean. And it was definitely a culture shock and something I didn't really, and in a lot of ways, um, wait, what was the question again? Sorry, I don't, I don't know if I'm going the right direction with this. No, no, you're good. I was just saying like, how did, like, how did you being Korean and not undocumented, how did like those two identities intersect with each other? Oh, how did, okay, okay. So I, I was going off the ramps. Um, no, sure. you were good. Yeah, I, I think in a lot of ways, I was very confused, you know, because the fact that the fact is that like I, I didn't know that I didn't think there are people like me, you know, people who are Korean and undocumented. Because from my experience, when I went to high school, everyone seemed to like just live normal lives. Everyone just seemed to be fine, like getting jobs, getting a car at a young age all that so especially being around all these korean americans who are doing all that at so young i was like dang why am i not doing that too you know and for me that kind of intersection really came when i became 18 and i found out that i didn't i didn't have the i didn't have papers you know i was undocumented so again i would see all my korean american friends like making a foreign life like getting internships and stuff like that getting paid well i was just like why can't i do this you know like this is not fair for me and for me i'd say i'd say the intersection between being korean korean and undocumented comes in a lot of a lot of the fact that being asian just in general you don't you don't you don't get that kind of visibility you know um as an undocumented individual I feel like it's very rare to find undocumented asian pacific islander communities um and it's hard to find support in that way you know and and even even in college like there was only one i, I went to i was pretty well involved in our dream center and there was only like one or two undocumented Asian Pacific Islanders in that center, you know? And so it was like, I'm here, but I don't feel like my cultural identity really matches um, the most of the, you know, the Latino, Latina, um, Latinx community, people who are in that center. So it was weird for me, you know, because I felt like I was definitely one, just, 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 just like, 
Yeah, it, it was weird just because I, I felt like I wasn't really that uh, represented within that community. Yeah. Yeah, growing up, me too. I went to um, like where I grew up, it was mostly like white people or Asian people. And then and when I went to college, I met I made like undocumented friends, but they were all Latinx. So then like all of my Asian friends, they never really understood like me being undocumented but then all of my undocumented friends like they never understood like the like what it meant to be like undocumented AP api right because then all of the events they would throw at school it'd be like latinx based for undocumented students and i don't know i just always felt left out and i, I honestly still feel left out now sometimes but i've been like trying to like bridge that gap between like the undocumented community and the api community at my school but it's like it's a little bit hard because it's just it's just me you know like there's not that many oh my gosh that's okay you said it way better than i did but yeah that's exactly what i was trying to do like trying to bridge like the undocu community with the api community because I, I like i said i had those two positions so it was a very fortunate um way to go but even when i reached out i did so much outreach it's like hard to find you know because like it's not just that like like there's not a lot of undocumented API. It's that they're not they're not they're not like reaching out, you know. So that's always tough, yeah. man. But yeah, I feel that for sure. Yeah, I guess like a lot of undocumented API, they just don't want to. They just don't want to talk about their status. It's that whole thing like keep your head low. Like don't you don't need to tell people about your problems type mindset. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right for sure. Um. So. I know that in your in the Google form, you talked about how in high school you had to like support your family with like multiple jobs. Can you like talk more about that? Yeah, when I was in high school, um, well, we always grew up very low income, just as like immigrant minorities um, coming in from Korea. My parents knew like very little to no English, so I remember them taking classes trying to like learn English, but none of but you know, just as an immigrant, it's hard to really get financially stable in this world. So um, more than that, um, my parents also tried to try to achieve that immigrant dream of like owning a business, but it didn't really pan out. So right when I got right when I got into high school when I was 14, my parents' business went out of business and um my 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 dad unfortunately got into this really deep depression into alcoholism as well so um my brother was also in college at uc davis so he wasn't able to you know support my family as much as as much as um someone who would be there so it was just me my mom and my dad and um, of course my dad was kind of out of the financial picture because um he wasn't really doing that well. And so it was just me and my mom. And if it was just my mom, I don't think we would have like really survived. So when I was like 15 or 14, I think, um, I got my first job as a dishwasher making around like $9, eight hours, $8 an hour, because, you know, I wasn't even supposed to be working at that age. So, um, I just know it's really hard. I used to, I, I I worked after school every or I think three days, four days out of the week. And during summer I worked a lot more. Um 
of course i couldn't really apply to internships and stuff and i didn't really know why but whenever i tried there always seemed to be a roadblock which i didn't know why there was a roadblock so um i, I couldn't really do any internships so i just thought i would work uh make some money help my help out my mom and because of all that working, I actually got really bad grades. I ended, I ended high school with like a 2.5 GPA. And then, um, yeah. And um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a big struggle. I remember working just a lot and um, working for such like menial wages as well that didn't really seem to matter, um, but it helped out my mom and yeah. Yeah, I um in high school I worked at a restaurant too. That was my first job. I was a cashier. My brother, his first job was also a cashier, but then he became a dishwasher too. And I was like working for like seven. No, not I remember when I started, they didn't even pay me like seven. It was like six fifty or something, like below minimum wage. And um, yeah, I worked about like three days out of the week, and um, yeah, that was my first job too. But I Man, guess like that it, that's well, hmm? no, I was just saying that, that when I when I when I worked that sucked because like I remember all my friends like going out and stuff and going out to hang out get some boba and I was just like oh, I have to go to work after practice man so I'm not gonna be able to do that I remember that so I feel that for sure like I feel like in high school you always just want to have fun but you can't really. yeah um i remember like i told them to raise my pay i was like i don't want to work here anymore if you don't raise my pay i was like at least give me 10 and they said no they're like you're always on your phone like <laughs> you're always on your phone like we're not raising your pay so then i was like fine i'm not working here anymore and they were like they're like okay fine we'll, we'll give you the money so yeah yeah um Crazy but yeah i think like working at like a restaurant is kind of like almost like a rite of passage for a lot of like undocu api because there's not really a lot of other options for us like growing up i guess but what made you realize that you were undocumented at 18 because a lot of people realize earlier like what what oh uh, what so long yeah i would say actually maybe like 17 or 18 because i remember um the way I found out was my parents didn't even tell me. I, I actually, the realization came when I was applying for FAFSA. And I was like, I asked my parents, like, what's a social security number, man? Like, what is that? Like, how can I, how do I get that? Where is that, you know? And they told me, like, you know, we don't have one. Or you don't have one. And so I get so confused. I'd be, I'd be like, oh, my, 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 my friends all have one. But, you know, I go to school and ask questions like, yo, do you guys have a social security number? And they'd be they just say, yeah, I do, yeah, I do. Be like, what the hell is that, man? And then um, they just, <laughs> they just like, they just say it so casually, like, I have a social security number, but I just, I didn't at the time, of course, I was all confused. And um, that's, that's, that's really how I found out I didn't have a, I was undocumented and um, yeah. That's funny because that's that's exactly what happened to me. But it was in eighth grade. I, my school, my middle school had asked me like, "Oh, do you, like we need your social security on number number on file?" So I went home, asked my mom, and my mom was like, "You don't have one." And I was like, 
what does that mean <laughs> i was like what does that even mean and i was like whatever and then i texted my friends and i was like do you guys have social security numbers and they were like yeah and i was like i don't know if i have one they were like are you okay like what are you talking about and i was like i was like i don't think i have one they're like they're like how do you not have one like what does that mean and i was like i don't know what that means so then i went like into google and was like like what does it mean if i don't have a social security number and like nothing like popped up th that like answered my question but then i guess when i got to high school when everyone was getting like their driver's license or like their learner's permit that's when i found out though i was like oh like i'm undocumented like that's when i found wow. out but i guess it was kind of similar um yeah not but I guess next question, uh, I saw that in the zine, um, you you want you want to be a psychiatrist. I guess most people who pursue like immigration advocacy choose a more like social science route. What made you want to explore this like the STEM field? Right. Yeah. I think um, I've always been passionate about the brain, about understanding people on a biological level so that's why i ended up pursuing neuroscience but at the same time you know um a, a large part of my heart just goes to the people who supported me when i found out i was undocumented um like at the age of 18 you know people um in the undocumented community really helped me out during that tough time you know supporting me finding me job opportunities uh, helping me find um community within the undocu undocumented space as well. So I've always wanted to give back to that community. And it's not just about giving back, just to give back, but also, you know, have a deep like love for the community because um, they've always been there for me. And just the undocumented community in general, you know, you, you feel like you feel connected on another level because you do have that, that, that same, that connection with with the struggle with the undocumented struggle with the fact that y'all are always fighting for each other no matter where you're at you know and so for me um i know i did go like a very different path other than that's not social science route but i think even in in the space i am right now i want to represent the undocumented community because like you said there's not a lot of there's not a lot of people who who are undocumented doctors, who are undocumented PhDs, who are undocumented in research. And for me, um, I really be, I, I really want to be someone who can represent that community and um, that unique community who, who, who is in STEM, who also, you know, but who is also undocumented. So I think that that's what I'm, that's why I am undocumented in STEM because uh, um, neuroscience is a very strong passion of mine, but I also don't want to give up um, the community or the people that got me here to where I can be, to, to give me the freedom to, to, to pursue this, to pursue something I'm passionate about. Like, can you tell me more about your job as a, you said it, it's a clinical research coordinator, right, at UCSF? yeah yeah um yeah i can tell you a little bit more about my job it's my job is focused on treating treating people with major depressive disorder um severe major depressive disorder and um well uh, it's like a okay 
So what we do is basically we zap their brains to help um, help their depression. So um, a lot of my job is analyzing neuro data, like um, brain data, and we we analyze the brain data to find what specific areas of the brain are um, are biomarkers or markers for their depression so if, if we find out that something triggers in their brain that's like um that's correlated to depressive symptoms like oh i'm or i'm really sad and like a part of your brain will will fire up but we kind of zap that area to um treat that treat that symptom and a lot of my job is analyzing the data that helps come to those conclusions it's like what part of the brain will trigger those depressive depressive symptoms and things like that so um, other than that, I also work very closely with our patients to um, to make sure that the device be implanted into their brain is actually um, doing what it's meant to do, which is, of course, treating their, their, their depressive symptoms as well. So a lot of it is, you know, having conversations with the patients, making sure that they're okay, making sure that um, the device is doing what it needs to do, and that just in general, we, we give them... Um, psychological um, support as well, but support in all, in all aspects, you know, like psychological support, um, financial support in terms of like what we can do um, given our study and um, of course, clinical support as well. Yeah, so I don't know if I really answered that question, but yeah, that's just You're a good. small rundown of what I do. Um, so like, how, how did you break into this field as like with someone with DACA? Oh, man. Um, I think a lot of it started off in undergrad where I, I worked on a cognitive neuroscience research project. Um, a lot of it was like programming, um, a lot of a lot of programming with um, and data analysis of neurodata as well. And um, how did I break into it? Oh man, I think a lot of it was just like asking around, you know, uh, a lot of it for me, cause I didn't really know how, I didn't really know how to get into research as a, as a doctor recipient. So um, right, in, right when I joined undergrad, right when I started undergrad, I knew I wanted to do this. I knew I wanted to do cognitive neuroscience as a, as a career. So I asked, so I didn't really know how to get into research in general. So I asked around Arrest, I asked like a lot of my professors, like, how do I get into this? How do I get into this? And they always pointed me towards like specific research related programs. And of course, unfortunately, a lot of them are for citizens or permanent residents. I remember reading that and I'd just be like, oh crap. So I guess I can't, you know, I felt like it was a closed door at first, but I, I knew this is really what I wanted to do. So. I honestly just did not care. I asked around. I asked my professors, like, "Oh, what can I do?" Like, even though I I can't do these programs that are like meant for research, what can I do? You know. So, basically, what I did was I asked my professor, like, "Oh, can I start my own research project? Um, I really want to pursue this, and can you help me guide through it? Even though guide me through it, even though like I'm not going to get paid, I'm not going to get anything out of it other than experience." can I try this out uh, and can you help me out with it? And so I got very lucky, honestly. My professor is, is definitely was definitely always a huge support for me. 
And um, that was from freshman to sophomore year. Um, during junior year, I started applying for REUs, which is um, research experience for undergrads. It's like a very important stepping, uh, oh, it's considered to be like a huge stepping stone for um, future researchers because it's very important for it. Like basically it's like, if you you can do really well in in, in grad school and, and higher education in terms of research. And the, I did get accepted to one out in like, um, what was it, in like Chicago area or something. But after my acceptance letter, like two, two weeks later, I get this letter saying like, oh, since you're not a citizen, you can't, you can't, you know, you can't be a part of this this summer research opportunity. So uh, I was I was very 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 disappointed. I think that was like a really rough moment for me, where I really had to like consider like, oh shoot, like is is research actually a career for me? If I'm if I'm seeing roadblocks this early before I even got out of college, like can I really do this? You know. And I think what really sucked was that you know at this point I had DACA and I just like I thought. I thought maybe this would get me out of whatever, I guess this would help, you know? But even with DACA, there's no way I could be a part of this research program. So of course I was, you know, very disappointed. Um, I think, yeah, that was when I really considered, where I really I had to ask myself like, oh, is this a career for me? But, um, yeah, after that, I, you know, I didn't know really what else to do because I've been working on this research project for two years um, as the only person on the team because there were, I mean, there was no team. It was just me doing everything. I kind of had to guide this whole project on my own with my with my professor's uh, supervision. And um, so I just kept working on that one project for almost for four years and then yeah, that's that's kind of how I broke into it. I think that kind of experience really, uh, like, yeah. And, and then after that, I, like right after undergrad, I continued to explore options within each and eventually I landed at UCSF. I guess you already answered my next question. I was gonna ask if there was like any specific challenges you anticipate to face like in your career, but I guess you already answered that. Um, but I guess, how do you see yourself contributing to broader conversations around mental health and like within the immigration advocacy field? And what are your hopes for the, for the future of mental health care in um, undocumented communities? That's a really great question. Um... I'd say um, being undocumented is, is a unique type of stress, you know, because it's not like we can just go out and get any opportunity we want or, or like get any job we want just because we work hard enough. Sometimes those who work, sometimes as, as, as someone who's undocumented, you could work your butt off, but still like lack access to opportunities that you honestly probably deserve more than like people who are citizens. So I think that that causes like a, such a high amount of stress and a, a lot of like feeling of being lost, you know, 
a lot of loss, a loss, a feeling of being lost and and, and hopelessness. And um, I think for me, what, what, what in terms of mental health, what I, I what I would like to see is is our our, our people, our, our mental health professionals who are more who who are undocumented and actually have um, experience, you know, feeling because I think a, a large part of like mental health, like therapy to relate to the people you're talking to and being able to have the same kind of experiences as the people you're, 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 you're kind of supporting. And for me, I would say that like, I would love to see more mental health professionals in the undocumented um, who are undocumented and from the undocumented community as well. Um, more than that, more on a pol policy level, uh, I would love to see Medi-Cal support undocumented immigrants, uh, especially in terms of mental health. Um, just in general, like Medi-Cal doesn't really support mental health. Uh, mental health um, professionals doesn't really fund mental health professionals as much as they need to right now, especially since there is a mental health um, uh, epidemic at the moment. And I think that is something that I've seen from Medi-Cal that, that tends to be a little bit frustrating for me. But uh, in terms of the future of mental health for undocumented immigrants, I, I, I would just love to see more professionals in this field um, who can relate to the issues of undocumented immigrants, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because when I went to, I had, we have a counseling center at my university and like when I went to therapy there, um, the therapist, like, like she's not going to understand like my undocumented status. So I would have to explain to her first before we began to therapy, like what it meant to be undocumented. And I wish like I didn't have to do that. You know what I mean? Like I wish like she, I don't know, she already like understood, but yeah. Um, did you have like any like growing up, did you have any like fears or like worries about being undocumented at all? So can you, can you say that question one more time? Uh, my connection is poor. Oh yeah. Um, I was like growing up, did you have any fears or worries about growing, like being undocumented? Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Cause you know, I think, oh man, yeah. I I just remember, like like I said, like the not only thing with the summer research, is but also the fact that you know, there were so many times where like DACA was under fire. It was it was all the time, was, and also undocumented communities as well. It was both. It was like everyone it was undocumented. It's just under fire all the time, and it's just a constant battle. You know, when you're that young, when you haven't started your career yet, you have no idea what you're doing. It's like the fact that your that your your entire status is just being attacked is definitely very very difficult to deal with. I remember being very anxious at certain points in my life, just not sure what what it means. You know that 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 DACA is under fire. That Judge Hannon like said that it was uncon the DACA was unconstitutional because you, you you don't want you, you don't just wonder that for like DACA recipients because you know it trickles down to all oh you know um 
I think that that always brought a lot of like worries to me. And I remember like during times like that, during times of turbulence when um, the uh, DACA and being an undocumented immigrants were under fire, I, I remember always just looking for like like another, always trying to create like some sort of opportunity for myself, just in case, just in case like. I, I lost my job the next day just in case like opportunities weren't available to me anymore. So I remember always like picking up different things that could become like hustles, like opportunities for me. So I picked up photography and I picked up um, personal training. I picked up just anything that, that could possibly be a business opportunity, you know, because I never knew when I would have to like transition to like another thing and give up on research. So I think that was that, that that's something um, that I always thought about, you know, that, that that I always thought about because it always made me anxious. It always made me anxious to to hear that you hear, hear those things about DACA, about undocumented people, about yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, what was the question again? Oh, I was just like, if you had any um fears or worries like growing up but then i remembered you didn't really know about your status until you were 18 so i guess you didn't really have that much like your childhood uh, like growing up undocumented you know what i mean like knowing that you were undocumented like fears of being undocumented Does yeah that make sense? yeah i'd say no definitely yeah yeah honestly like from 12 to like 18 i'd say most of my fear was actually just being low income because i knew we were i knew my family was like really really um like not doing well financially i always knew that because i compared myself to our friends but um when i turned 18 like that that kind of fear like transitioned into like oh shoot i am low income and i'm undocumented and that that kind of like i guess um, it was tough to accept that I'm both very low income and undocumented. And I think, yeah, yeah. Especially like out in California, things are a lot more expensive there too, like compared to other states. So it must've been like extra, extra difficult being low income out in California, right? yeah it was it was it was rough you know because like i said i was always working um even into college i worked around two or three jobs because um my dad's my dad wasn't working for about like since high school all the way throughout college uh still wasn't working now so about eight years i had to really kind of like support my mom um supporting paying rent like eating food and all that so um yeah i'd say it was a huge struggle especially um especially when when the one thing that you you that you could do for your family is always at risk you know like for me it was always the fact that i could work you know i could make money even going through, through college but then you know during 2018 2019 that, that trump era it was always like very wishy-washy you know and that was during my college years so I was always freaking out because I'm trying to go through college. But I'm trying to work at the same time to support, to like help my family freaking like eat, you know? And so that was always really tough. So I'd say that was definitely like a, a huge, huge 
a very tough four years, but I learned a lot during that time. What jobs did you um, undertake like in high school and college? Oh yeah, so um, in high school, I already mentioned, I worked as a server in a restaurant and, and a dishwasher as well. And uh, right when I turned 18, I actually got involved with Korean Research Center, which is an undocumented, which isn't, it's like an, un, it's, how do I say this? Um, it's like an organization that supports uh, Koreans, the Korean community, and they also support undocumented people. My mom actually helped me um, get connected with them. So I, I got an internship with them straight into high school because I volunteered for them. In, uh, I volunteered for them in high school. At a high school into the summer. So I worked for them for about like a couple more, over the summer. And then right when I got to college, I started working um, as a tutor, uh, as, a, as a teacher as well. So I had two jobs at a time. And uh, yeah, so most of my college years, I actually tutored um, on the side as a, as a, as my own business. Um, so I worked with a lot of students, just tutoring them with SATs, uh, algebra, math, things like that. And that's what I did a lot of college, you know, just to get by. And um, I remember I was working around like 30 to 40 hours a week because I mixed that in with like, um, opportunities that I had on campus finance to, to like fellowships and things like that and um, sometimes I think I still worked at restaurants sometimes oh yeah I worked as a server um, freshman and sophomore year while tutoring as well and then yeah so that that was a lot of my a lot of my work experience in college just like tutoring kids and working at restaurants Yeah, I guess that's really um, like common, like working, like when you're undocumented, like you can only just like work at restaurants. Um, yeah, I mean, even I, I, I worked at a restaurant most of my high school years, but then when I got to college, I got busy, so I couldn't really do it as much. Um, but then this over this winter break, I worked at a restaurant again, just just to have something to do, just to make some extra extra money, because there's nothing else I can really do with my tax ID, right? So, yeah, um, I guess. That's yeah. But um, I guess my last question is like, what advice or message would you like to share with other, like younger undocumented individuals, especially those that want to break into the same field as you? Oh man. So I, I gotta think about this a little bit because there's a lot of things I could say, you know. No, like, you're good. Um, time, like we got, we we have time. Well, I'll have time. Okay, sounds good. Thanks. Yeah, I'll definitely say that. The thing is, like especially within research or, or STEM in general, like 
undocumented people are very, very, very much a minority. Because, like you mentioned, a lot of people go into um, social, social, um, social science. So, even in here, even in this community I'm in right now, I feel I feel kind of isolated. You know, I feel alone because all my friends are in the social science field and like working on becoming lawyers, um, like things like that. So I'll definitely say the first thing I would do is do your best to find community, find people who are in STEM, undocumented, Asian Pacific Islander, whatever it takes, make sure to, you know, strive to find that, you know, that's why I was trying to do an empowering API as well, just trying to like find more people just like me so I can like talk to them, think about, talk about, you know, how to navigate this field as someone who's undocumented. And I got very lucky, I did, you know? And for me, I would say, so that that's, I would say that's the biggest advice I could give because, you know, for me, when I first joined, um, when I first started getting into research, getting into um, research as an undocumented individual, I felt very alone, you know, because it's hard to because it, it's it, because finding people like me it's not easy like i said you know we're very unique in stem undocumented asian pacific island but so it took a lo long time and a lot of persistence to like find people like me and i really had to reach out in a lot of different in a lot of different settings not just the undocumented setting but like asian pacific islander setting and the stem setting so i remember like having to like navigate these different like areas of of school like different clubs different organizations that i had to just just walk into and ask her and you know when i get comfortable i had to ask around like yo like are you you know and and ask about that and, and for me a lot of that outreach was just vulnerability from my end because i i grew very um not not in a demeaning way but I, or like in a bad way but i i got pretty comfortable with letting uh, people know um about my status because you know i found out that the only way to really connect with these people is just to be more open about it you know is to is to facilitate these conversations so i, I grew really i became really open so see so yeah, so yeah my, my first piece of advice would just be very very would be you know and persevere in finding your community because it's not going to be easy. Um, it's not going to be easy, but it's definitely absolutely 100% worth it. Um, and my second piece of advice is just to be uh, very persistent in, in what you want, you know. Um, if you really look hard, if you really look hard and like work hard and find, you will find the support you need, you know. Um, even if it's like in the most random places, even if it's in places that you don't expect it to come from, um, you can find it. You just got to look for it like a little bit harder than most people. But um, yeah, and also from my field, from my field, yeah yeah that that I, I guess those are the two advice i give I, I i'm trying to think of something that's specific to my field but um a little bit hard to do right now you're good but um i know that when i was applying to colleges i i wanted to go into the stem field like in high school i was taking like 
all AP STEM classes, like AP Calc, AP Chem, AP Physics, AP Bio. Like I took every single one that was available at my school. And I was so convinced that when I got to college, I would go to med school after. But I think my freshman year, uh -huh. I realized I wanted to be a plastic surgeon. Like that was that was my goal back back then. But I think when it was my freshman year, I had realized like I don't think this is a, like a reality for me. Like going to med school, like undocumented. Like how am I gonna fund that? Like can I even go? Like is that can I even get a job without DACA? So I think that was like a big reason why I changed to be a poli sci major because I was like you know what, like, let me just go to law school. I'm gonna, like, I'll just fight for my own case. Like, that was my mindset. But I don't know, I always, like, wondered what it would have been like if I, like, explored the STEM option instead of, like, going into, like, social science. But, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's interesting to yeah, see someone yeah. documented wanting to, like, go into the STEM field because, like, that's not, it's not, like, what you said, it's not common. It's hard to find. Yeah, Am I breaking yeah, you? I, I, I definitely, yeah, you are, sorry, it's like my, my connection is just really poor, but um, yeah, I totally, I totally feel that, you know, I've had moments where I was just like, damn, like, should I really <laughs> go into the STEM field? Like, is this a good idea? I was just, I think, I think a lot of it was just kind of, I mean, at least on my end, it was a lot of like blind optimism, you know, because I'm a pretty optimistic person. So every time I did something that just like, that felt right, but also I wasn't confident in, like, would this happen, would, would this, like, how would this impact my career, you know, I was always asking questions like that, and, um, I, I you know, it, it, it was, it, I, 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 I always had those questions, like, oh, is this going to be good for me, like, a few years down the line like is it good that i'm like pursuing research and uh, pursuing you know stem field med school and i'm talking to individual like is this a good idea should i just switch to like what everyone else is doing like pause like you know like um becoming a lawyer and things like that but it was it was for me just a lot of blind optimism a lot of a lot of blind optimism just going for things that i cared about and was passionate about and um yeah, very. I'm very fortunate, you know. I'm not gonna say that like all of this was just hard work. I got very lucky in a lot of sense as well. So, but yeah, yeah, you know, I end up here. Yeah, I think that you put that in like a really good term, like blind optimism. I think I had a lot of that too, um, going through college. Like, like earlier when you said that you were when you were applying to stuff, you didn't really care if, like, like when they asked for like. Um, you had to be like a citizen or permanent resident you said you were like you didn't really care if you if you had to or not so you just went out around and asked right yeah yeah i i think a lot of it was just persistence <laughs> just asking until i got an answer i wanted <laughs> and um yeah definitely that because i mean i mean i feel like being undocumented you just have to work a little bit harder it's it, like a lot harder just i mean it sucks you know it's not what I would want for anyone in the undocumented field, but you really have to like push for those opportunities. You really have to like make yourself known that like this is something I want and I'm confident I want this. I think um, that's that's very important. Um, um, at least for my at least at least from my experience, it's very important just to like let everyone know that this is what I want and 
and you're going to either help me get it or not, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. 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 I guess like in my, what I did was I like when I was applying to things, even if it like asked, said that you had to be like a permanent resident, I just like, I would apply anyways. I would just be like, I don't care. Like I'm going to apply. And then like, once I got it, I would just be like, Hey, like <laughs> then I would tell them just to like test the waters, you know? But I don't know. If, I don't know if that's necessarily safe, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but I think that's like all I had. That's exactly what I did too. Oh yeah, what'd you say? Sorry, I think you're cutting off again. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, I just said no. That's exactly what I did too. I just applied and I didn't care. I was like, yeah, I'll tell them after. Always, you know? And people were like, well, oh, why are you doing that? Like, aren't you scared? And I'm like, nah. Like, what are they gonna do? Like, what are they gonna do? Nothing. But um, yeah. I think that's like all I had to ask for you today. Like, it's been an hour, so I don't want to like keep you any longer. Um, but I'll like email you with like a follow up if I need anything, and or I can text you, okay. but. It was nice. It was nice talking to you. Thank you like so much for meeting with me so early and like, and like talking to me about your experiences. Of course, no. It was a it was a pleasure talking to you too. I don't really get to talk about this too often. I hope you got the answers you wanted because sometimes I just you know it's early. I'm like answering questions and stuff, but um, I I hope you got the answers you wanted. So. Yeah, thank you for taking the time to interview me. I appreciate it. And um, I hope everything goes well with the interviews. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much, but I'll let you go. Okay, of course. Thank you. All right, bye. bye. Have a good day. You too.